And, and ultimately what it came down to was I was more afraid of staying as I was than I was of the idea of changing. And it was in that moment that I knew that I had to make a change and I wanted to make a change. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Welcome to the, another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski. Glad to um, be back here with you today. As I've mentioned in a few other episodes, there is a new uh, a new platform called matchmaker.fm where we hang around like Tinder for podcasters and looking for... Uh, looking for those who could be uh, a wonderful guest for our shows or that we could match up and be a guest on their show. So my guest today, uh, I found there, or he found me. I'm not really sure. And that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really matter, right? What matters is that we're connected today. Um, Di Manuel is here today coming to me from, coming to you from Canada. Vancouver. Vancouver, oh, Vancouver. Canada. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, have you shut down one more time? Because I spoke with some people wow. outside of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, and, Toronto's like really shut down. Yeah. We've had some more restrictions put on us. Mm -hmm. um, we're not fully shut down, like lockdown mode though, but yeah, no, they, they've added some more restrictions. Like anybody in the service industry, specifically restaurants, yeah, they're feeling it right now because all restaurants have been closed again, with the exception if they have patio, they're okay, but a lot of people don't have patios. So they're yeah. just sitting around, you know, and they know. can't do anything. So it, it's tough, of course, but I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm looking for too. But yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Di is a super dad of some uh, great teenage girls, and I love how he says he's dating his wife. I mean, there's a lot of value and uh, hmm. lessons in that of <laughs> dating our spouse as the years go on, and hmm. um, just somebody again that I've connected with, and I just I feel we're on Zoom, but I feel your energy every time we're connected, <laughs> and just feel that like love of life that you have. And like you said to me, like you're pretty accomplished in what you've done, I think. And yet you said the most important thing is, you know, it's your kids and your wife. And that's, and I share that same value that really family is of utmost importance, you know, outside of whatever we're doing in life. That's really what the most important yeah. thing is. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. Let me just ask you a question. Like, well, first of all, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank this you. Is, <laughs> so excited. And, uh, you know, on that sentiment, like, I don't know about you, but I know that wasn't always the way for me, though. You know, like, that's not how I, I wouldn't have prioritized those two things, you know, my, my relationship with my spouse, nor my relationship with my kids. You know, like, I, I recognize there's been periods in my life where that wasn't my highest value, or at least what I believe to be that, that value that I would prioritize <laughs> above mm -hmm. all else. And, and I know when I wasn't in alignment with that and not living that. Oh, that's where I noticed some of the biggest challenges sort of showing up in my life, you know? So it's now it's very, I'm very conscious of it, very aware of it. I'm very intentional when mm -hmm. I'm asked, you know, like, how do I describe you? Well, that's the stuff that actually matters. It's the stuff I want to carry for the rest of my life. 
you know, mm-hmm. everything else is just, it's sort of fun stuff. So I'm, I'm curious with you because you also share similar values. Was it always that way for you or was it a conscious decision you came to based on an experience or maybe multiple? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just wondering. Yeah. Well, I think that I have always valued family. I grew up mm-hmm. with, you know, three siblings and I have, we went on to have four children and mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I would say that I love what family has what family has brought me, right? It Mm. brought me the experience. And as I said uh, earlier, my mother passed and I honored, I spoke at her service Mm. and I talked about the importance of family time. And I think back to those times that we had a travel trailer and we went camping in New England and we went swimming at the Y on Saturdays and came home to homemade pizza, you know, from my mom. (laughs) And, you know, Christmas time is one of my favorite, like actually Christmas Eve, actually Christmas morning where I lay in bed and I would listen to the kids get up and go downstairs (laughs) and they were allowed to open their stockings and like, you could hear them talking. And I just, Oh, I love that. And again, so that's what the family has, has brought me. Right. So I, I value that. And yet I, I'm a bit envious, I would say, because I know that you're truthful in saying that you're dating your wife and you're really happy in that. I mean, I'm 26 years married. I love my husband. And yet we have, um, I think what I've learned is this, I don't know what the trick of marriage is. There's lots of them or staying <laughs> together or staying in love. But right. Like we're both super, like part of our like marriage mission or I don't know, I, when we were in counseling, she asked us a certain thing, but to mm-hmm. talk about, but, um, you know, really, we are both very independent people, my husband and I, mm-hmm. and we really appreciate that about ourselves. And we mm-hmm. appreciate that the other person honors that. And yet what's happened along the way, it's great. I think two independent people, that's wonderful. <laughs> and then but then all of a sudden life happened and we had, you know, <laughs> life happened to four children, busy, yeah. hockey, swimming, band, life. And then a major struggle, a major health challenge with one of our children. And so we function pretty well independently of each other, you know, and we mm-hmm. go along this time and there hasn't been enough of this. And I know people can't see this, but of this looking into each other and connecting right. there and saying, honey, are you OK? Honey, are you OK? <laughs> you know, and like, okay, keep going on. And like, okay, I need a little bit more time with you. And so I'm envious and I admire you for the fact that you are intentional about dating your wife, because I believe that that's such a, I mean, my husband and I are still committed to each other and mm-hmm. trying to find as our house gets emptier, if you will, yes, right. to find our way, I, I don't know, back to ourselves, but also to ourselves to then look forward into the future to see what that relation looks like relationship looks mm. like because that's yeah. going to be different than it was like saying oh i'm going back to the way it was it's it yeah. can't go back right because that's right the kids are grown the <laughs> things are different you know but um so i think yes it's always been that way because of how i was you know raised in a family and i saw the importance of that mm-hmm. and then as yeah life happened and there's were some ups and downs and a lot of them it really taught me to value you know, to value family, these, like, this is all, it's all we got. And it's who's going to love you unconditionally. And I think just to finish that up too, is that my time in nursing Mm -hmm. and in medical sales, and I was in medical sales in the hospital. So I really Mm -hmm. had a lot of exposure to that. And um, seeing that, you know what, it doesn't matter how much money you have, prestige you have, any of that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't, 
that doesn't matter. Like your health is of importance. And if you have, and family is again, that's, that's all you got, Mm. you know, and sometimes we don't get along with our family, (laughs) but really we're, you know, we're together because we're family, if that makes any sense. And that's so important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's uh, knowing what's important for us. You know, I always laugh at that that question. Oh, what do you want with your life? And I'm like, well, can you just ask me what I want on my pizza? You know, yeah. <laughs> I think that is a little easier to answer. Right. Uh, but all those big sort of philosophical questions, I mean, they can be intimidating. And I, I know a lot of the times, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there's been periods in my life where I've just avoided asking the question, mm-hmm. you know, because... I didn't know. And not knowing made me feel very insecure. Right. Yet, when I think back on it, there were still those anchors that were, were strong. And, and some of those included my beliefs around health and well-being, you know, my mental health, my physical health, <laughs> emotional health. But I knew that those were kept in check the more solid I was with my relationships with family. And close friends, you know, mm-hmm. the, the value that you get from that, the love that you get from that. It, it's interesting, but no matter how challenging times are, that that constant, well, it, I think it helps us be more resilient, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know for myself, I was able to, it wasn't that I don't deal with challenges. No, I still deal with them. I just, I've learned to bounce back from them much more quickly mm-hmm. and, and not get stuck in the challenge, right? Stuck mm-hmm. in the storm yeah. uh, so much anymore because I, I have lifelines, you know, that, that are there and that will support and, and help whenever I'm willing to ask for it. And I mm-hmm. think that was the biggest learning that I had to take away was that it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be vulnerable. Right. You know, I'm not going to have that used against me. I won't be taken advantage of if I'm vulnerable. It doesn't make me weak, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and that was some of the biggest learnings, but it didn't come naturally. I had to keep running up against the wall, you know, right. <laughs> so right. eventually well, it sunk in, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I, I value what you said. I think it's, it's very, very much on point. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I noticed, I learned from my own self discovery journal journey, if you will, um, yeah. that importance of asking for help, but I saw it as, um, again, a mother, strong, stoic woman, <laughs> English descent, you know, right. we just don't talk about the bad stuff and sure. don't ask for help because I looked at it as, well, then you're weak and you're less mm. than and sure you're not capable. Well, I've come to know that, you know, help can be, yes, in the midst of a crisis, but it also can be like, hey, dude, like, want to go for a walk? Like, hey, I need to just, you know, or I, I just need a friend to talk to or I need to go take a I need to go to yoga and I need, or like just asking, I talk about it. Like it's about support. Like, Hey, let's go see a movie or do you want to go garden together or whatever the case is? Like it's, it's way more than just this crisis is happening in your life and you just, you're not capable. So you need some help. Yeah. And also I think as parents, (laughs) we are put on this earth to be like these bumpers for our kids, Mm, you know? And like, we're a, and we're an example, not always the best example, but we are an example to our children, right? And they, um, yeah. just speaking for myself, I don't know about no, you. But, yeah, I think you're you're speaking for all of us parents. Yeah, but they're yeah. supposed to bump up against us, you know? We kind of, sure. they we act as bumpers to them so that they can learn themselves and say, okay, uh, okay, and make a mistake and things like that. And um, yeah. And hopefully they can see the value of... <laughs> 
a family as well. And absolutely perhaps come back to visit after they leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. Well, I'm interested more in what you were sort of sharing about you and your husband. Uh, did you find that this year that we've had, did it change any of the dynamics in your house? Like just, I, I know for us, you know, just being around each other so much because of the restrictions and the closures and just, the way that the world's been the last 12 months, 13 months now, you know, like, it, I don't know. Did, did you find that that sort of changed some of the family dynamics at all for you guys? Like, I know it did for me, but I also have, my kids are still at home, you know, all of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also just being around my wife all the time, me not going up doing my events normally, her not going to an office space, you mm-hmm. know, like it just, it clearly, you know, it, it, it took some adapting. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll say that, you know, um, this dynamics challenged. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my husband actually has his own business. And so, and it's a small office, small business. And, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, small in that a few employees. And so he actually went to the office all the time. And so it doesn't, didn't really seem to like, we weren't like all of a sudden sequestered, like all in our home. So I didn't feel like that dynamic right. changed, yeah. you know, a whole lot. And I have two of my four children at here at home. And there was some time that they, were off of work because they, you know, landscaping clothes, Jamba Juice right. clothes, those kind of things. Yeah. But there wasn't a big, there wasn't a big shift in that time together, if you will. There definitely, it's just, it's kind of those emotions and the tension was mm. different at times. Like when we right. talked about, I think as we all tried to figure out like how we felt about all this stuff, mm. you know, and my husband and I, I mean, he's, pretty independent. I'm, I mean, we're yeah. pretty independent with our thinking and pretty strong with our thinking. And, yes. and I love that about him, but sometimes he'd come home and he'd talk about Pritzker this and Pritzker. I'm like, you know what, can we just keep the negativity out of the house? Like, I don't want to hear about what the governor's <laughs> doing one more time or, mm. you know, what Fauci said here, like just, mm-hmm. you know, and it was kind of that yeah. navigating through like, that idea that, okay, let's share the info. Let's talk about it. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, okay, but your voice is, your voice is so strong. Like Mm -hmm. you come in and you talk about this. And that's part of our, part of our dynamic of our relationship is me finding my voice. If that is maybe hard to, for some people to understand, but just being able to find my voice. Cause I feel like over the years I've been uh, for various reasons, I've gotten a little quiet in my relationship Mm -hmm. um, with him and so it's me finding my voice in a good way to say, listen, honey, like, I get that, that that's important to you. But when you come home and like, you kind of really change that dynamic here. And like, I don't like that. And like, not mm-hmm. me, it's been kind of a lesson in, and we have gone into some counseling this year. Yeah. It's kind of that lesson of me talking, like me not blaming, like, hey, you're doing this kind of thing, but hey, this is how it's impacting me. And right. that's not really acceptable. Like, I don't like that. Or mm. I don't like the way you're talking to me. And so, you know, hey, I was supposed to be interviewing you, but you're interviewing me. But um, I'm fascinated by <laughs> this. Good. No, but I think it's, it's good. It's I mean, great. this is how we learn. This is how I know. we learn. Yeah. You know, no. like it's, it's, um, and so I found yeah. that that because yeah. I was so, again, my, my boys that are here living with me and my husband, they can be so like in this like conspiracy stuff. And sometimes oh, they come yeah. home and I was like, what are you guys talking about? And I would just like leave the room and all that. Right. But we've, I think we've, I, I've learned to try to listen to them and say, okay, 
why don't you send me that stuff so I can look at it? So mm-hmm. instead of like, cause sometimes I've just found that it's some, as I said to my husband, sometimes when you speak, it's like, we all have to believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I under, I like, I'm open to hearing what's like, I love to learn. So tell me what's going on or tell me what you learned and then make, let, help me, let me make the decision if I want right. to agree with that or not. Yes. And sometimes you're so strong that like, you don't give me a chance to do that, you know? So that's one thing I guess that we've learned or done that dance of during this time. Um, yeah. And really what an important thing I believe that I insisted on or started this um, COVID time is again, like whatever, you come and go as you please, you have your job, you have your girlfriend, your things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I said, and this was an idea from a friend, so it's not my, totally not my yet. idea, but I established uh, Sunday night dinners. Yes, great. And so Sunday night, like you can, again, if you, you don't have to, we don't have to eat together during the, I'll provide food or I'll tell you, hey, you guys are on your own or whatever the yeah. case is. I'm still the driving force in the, <laughs> the food, the dinner category. But Sunday nights, you got to be around the table hmm. and um, and we're going to eat together. And I'll tell you, you know, it's between six and seven, uh, depending yeah. on people's work schedule. But we're going to do that. And you can invite guests. But when we're here and this is something we have to get better at, but we have to share our highs and lows of the week. Yes. So we started that and we continue on with that. And now my 17 year old's girlfriend, when she can. She's at Sunday night dinners because <laughs> she loves yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, what are your highs and lows? And it gives, it's given us a chance to kind of talk about that. Like, oh, well, the low was, was stuck here. Or my kid, you know, job got canceled or whatever the case is, or my high was like, whatever it was, but just giving people a chance to talk. And then we yeah. usually play a game, not everybody, but you know, we play some really fun games and talk yeah. and sometimes they're really short and sometimes they're really long, but I've loved that, that we've established that because that's really, I think that's so important to just stay, yeah. stay connected. I, I love that. You know, and I think that there's always room for ritual, mm. you know, and ritual is nice for, for everyone. And mm. it gets consistency. It gets something to look forward to, uh, but it's also a very intentional time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're similar. Our Sundays is family day. You know, we just, we, none of us book anything on Sundays. We just know it's time for us to be together. And, and uh, you know, we're not together all day long, especially with my daughters being teens now, you know how that goes. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but we have dinner together. We have, we, we have plenty of time to, to connect and talk. And, and we often will set the intentions for the week, you know, at dinner time on Sundays. So it sounds very similar to your Sunday night ritual is very similar to, to, to what we do. And, and I think it's, it's been one of those constants that we've all needed, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody in our families benefited from that consistency and that commitment. And, mm-hmm. uh, that, what a wonderful thing to, to role model to your kids though, to create that expectation. Now to see that you're, you're, you know, the girlfriend of mm-hmm. your, your son coming over. I think that's phenomenal. You know? Well, and, so and cool. even more so, uh, so the 17 year old will go into the air force and, yeah. um, Oh, wow. In cool. the summer, he's yeah. chosen to do that and to go be a mechanic on, um, mm-hmm. the refuelers for the bomber wow. planes and stuff like Huge. that. So, Jeez. um, and she will be staying in this area, going to school online and, mm-hmm. and working. And so she said, do you think it would be all right if I came over on Sunday nights for dinner? <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm like, that's sure, so absolutely, you know? Oh, um, wow. So I, I was like, wow, that's that would be yeah. that would be great, you know? And and 
And I've learned that it's not about, it's not about the food, right? It's about the time around the table. It's yes. not necessarily, I mean, sometimes it is like, wow, this is the best chili we have ever made or whatever the case is. And, or we no more chili. We've had chili so many times. I'm like, no more chili. Okay. <laughs> I get that you guys should, but let's, I'm going to make something else. Cause often I'll ask them, crock like, what do you so want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. a crock pot wizard. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. That's cool. Well, and I was going to talk about, because I don't think you said you were running away from things or whatnot, but sometimes, again, how things develop in our lives when we have certain habits or behaviors that Mm. kind of we're doing them to mask the pain of of what's right in front of us and running away and and things like that. Because I want to give you time if you choose to, is to talk about, you know, your story of your struggles and and things like that. And I think really importantly is that decision to stop doing those, Mm. you know, behaviors because so many just continue on with that and really how you found your freedom through that. Well, thank you. Uh, It's, you know, I, I only ever, share as much as I feel people can resonate with, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I, I've come to a, a decision many years ago, my wife and I, we, we came to a collective decision as well that, that, you know, when we look at social media, you know, we look at media outlets, we, we made a decision. We'd like to just role model our behaviors, role model the people that we are and who we, we are very intentionally always trying to walk a certain direction to who we're becoming, you know, cause we're always becoming something. Mm-hmm. I just want to have a little bit of intention to what I'm becoming, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I you know it's, it can be wishful thinking at times, but it, it at least just gives a little bit of clarity in direction in situating. What are we going to focus on right now? What are we going to do? What's the day-to-day look like? You know, cause when we have clarity, it instills us with so much confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and when we have that confidence, we tend to see ourselves procrastinating less and taking action more. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how those things work, but it, it almost tends to start around that clarity piece, you know, getting mm-hmm. clear on what is that we want for life, for, for career, for love, you know, like it, it's not easy stuff to sit down and just say, okay, well, here's my shopping list, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. where do I go pick it all up? Can I get this on Amazon Prime? You know, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. no, I wish it was that simple, mm-hmm. but I think the interesting thing and the thing that I've realized is I've just gone through some, some pretty trying experiences, but I'm not saying that they're so trying that other people haven't had them. We all have similar experiences that are, that, that ultimately shape us mm-hmm. either positively or negatively. I mean, it, it depends on who's looking at it from what to angle, but you know, this clarity piece, I had, I didn't have a lot of clarity from, you know, nine onward because my, my parents went through a, a I wouldn't say it was a messy divorce, but it was one parent driving the separation and ultimately the divorce. And that was my father wanting to leave my mom. And, you know, my mom, it was her first love and she wasn't prepared for that. And, but did as best she could navigating that. And and at age nine, you know, my brother was a couple of years younger than me and our world got rocked pretty good because it sort of came out of left field. We weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody really expects it, but, you know, my parents are pretty good. They, every once in a while, get into disagreements in front of us. So we could see that there was tension there and we saw how they would bicker and fight sometimes, but nothing that was over the top. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when that bomb was dropped on me emotionally, psychologically, and with all the faculties that I had developed up to age nine, <laughs> which wasn't <laughs> a lot, uh, 
you know, I, I managed it as best I could. And, and what we found was my brother and I started having more time on our own because my mom was, you know, working and started to work more to support my brother and I. She was going to be our primary caretaker. And we'd see my dad every other weekend. And so this pattern started to evolve. And I learned to deal with my emotions through food and video games, mm-hmm. not being very active. And that was my lifestyle for about five years. And you can imagine eating a lot of foods that were high in calories, poor in nutrition value, uh, and not doing any activity, it, it usually doesn't lead to a pretty place. And, and I got to a point at age 14, doctor pulling my mom aside during a, a, a checkup and saying, Betty Ann, your son dies morbidly obese. And me not really understanding at 14, what's morbidly mean? What's obese mean? Like, just really not understanding that. And, you know, to date myself a little bit here, you know, this is like 30 years ago, childhood and obesity weren't typically words that would be found in the same sentence. Right. Like it just, it wasn't a thing like it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was only one other kid in my entire school at that point in time that was in that state of unhealth that I was in. Right. So I was clearly a minority, even though in some contexts, the majority. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I'm making fun of myself a little bit here. And, and it, it was a mechanism that I learned back then, because I would also see my mom do that. My mom would be very quick. She's battled with her weight. And so she'd be very quick to use humor, self-deprecating humor at times to, to make people feel more comfortable around her. I had somebody say that to me one time who um, was overweight, struggled with her weight. And yeah. she said, it's better for me to make a joke about myself first yes because then it you know i can make about it first before somebody else makes a joke about me yes yes and it's sort of like trying to take the power right Mm -hmm. and i remember quite vividly i remember my mom coming back from work one day and one of her very close friends that she worked with pulled her aside after like they had sort of a meeting and my mom made a joke about herself during that meeting and she was pulled aside by this woman who, who cared for my mom very, very deeply and said, you know, Betty Ann, every time that you make those kind of remarks, it, it hurts me, you know, and, and I know you're doing it, but it, it's, we don't want to hear that. Like, we love you. Like it's, the, the, you know, it was just a very interesting conversation. And, and I think it was very powerful because my mom came home and then shared that with me mm-hmm. and, and it shifted things for me, you know, just mm-hmm. that one conversation, that one observation, that one experience. And, uh, and so it sort of reshaped things for me, but at age 14, morbidly obese, I, I was very depressed, withdrawn, and all the typical cliches that would be associated with someone in that kind of state uh, of unhealth. And we've all struggled with our health from time to time. And, and I was chronically dealing with health complications as a result of the symptoms that were created by my obesity, mm. and like asthma, achy joints, sore back, you know, just lethargy. <laughs> like There's a lot of things that were, were kind of holding me back. But I got to a point you know, and it was just one day and it just, uh, I'm kind of going to speed up the story here because it's, it really just gets to the point of, I had this moment at my dad's and I used to have an ability of getting in the shower and have a shower. And if I kept the water on really hot, <laughs> there'd be enough condensation in the bathroom that when I would get there, the shower to tell myself off, the mirror would always be covered in condensation. So I never have to look at my reflection mm. I because I hated looking at myself. I hated to even acknowledge that that was who I was. So any way to avoid it, I would, you know, and, but this one morning I was being rushed. It was a quick rinsing out. And for some reason, when I got out of that shower, I could see off to my right side, 
my profile. And for some reason, and I still not sure why more, but I turned and I locked eyes with myself. And then I started the gaze down and just started moving my eyes down to my chest, down to my belly, back up to my chest, back up to my eyes. By the time I got there, I needed a towel off again because I was just uncontrollably sobbing. And it, I, you know, it was only in a couple of periods of my life where I've had that kind of loss of emotions, uh, controls specifically, like just instant, just oof, like overwhelming. And ideas of suicide were definitely front and center for me. I thought, you know, it'd be so much easier just not to have to live this life. Mm-hmm. Because I started to acknowledge that if I keep doing what I'm doing right now, gosh, when I'm 20, five years from now, I know things are not going to be any easier than they are right now. And so I was faced with this kind of a decision. I was like, I have too many people that love me. And to be honest, I, that's not a real thought. It, it felt like an impulse, but I knew it wasn't a real impulse for me. It wasn't something that I was serious about because I couldn't do it to my parents. I couldn't do it to myself. And, and so then I'm left like, what am I going to do? You know, and I, I mean, people are listening to this, watching this. Like, hey, think about this. When you're in that situation where you're like, I know that where I am right now is not where I want to stay. But I know if I keep down this path, things aren't going to get better. Yet, here's this path over here. I have no idea where it's going to take me, but it's right. going to involve doing things differently than I'm doing right now. And, and ultimately, what it came down to was I was more afraid of staying as I was than I was of the idea of changing. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that I knew that I had to make a change and I wanted to make a change. Mm-hmm. And so I came out of that bathroom with this conviction that my parents had never seen. Cause up to that point, they were so encouraging. They were like, Hey, we can get you a nutritionist. We'll get you a gym membership. We'll get you into these classes. Like they were really trying to encourage me to be more healthy, to be more active. But every time they bring that up, I mean, the typical teenage boy, I'm like, you're, you're, you think I'm fat. You think I'm, I'm ugly. You think I'm this, 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 and this, you know, like instantly getting on the defense and then acting mm-hmm. out accordingly. And you know, thankfully they were patient enough to just keep up with me <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and tolerate it. And, and, but when I came out of that bathroom, my dad saw it in my eyes. He knew that I was like, dad, I want to make it, I want to get healthy. I, I want to change. I don't want to be like this anymore. And uh, he took me to buy a mountain bike that afternoon because mm-hmm. I wanted to do something that was private. I didn't want to be out in public. I didn't want to go to a gym where people would see me, but I wanted to start being active. And I knew I liked biking, but I needed a new bike because it'd been years since I rode one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was how things got started for me. It was just trying to implement a little bit of activity every day, went to the library, got some books out on, on fitness, nutrition, some mindset and lifestyle books, and, and just started to learn, absorb that information. But every day I just get out for a ride mm-hmm. every day and move a little bit more and 20 months of being consistent of just shifting how I did certain things, changed how I ate, changed how I moved. And over time, it compounded in a real positive way. So as much as five years took me to put on all that weight, it took me under two to lose it all, to release it, you know, Mm -hmm. seven year journey. And I learned a lot on those seven years. Mm -hmm. But one thing I learned was that I developed a bit of an image thing. I was so focused on the exterior. And and even into my 20s, I still thought I was that little fat kid, Mm -hmm. which I carried into my early 30s, this, this sort of negative persona of who I believed I was, even though that's not who I was anymore. People didn't perceive me that way. It's how I perceived myself. Right. But I, I couldn't have explained this to you uh, up until the last 10 years. Cause I finally started doing some inner work 
to right. figure out this stuff, you know? That's right. Um, but but I went from food to alcohol, just uh, to, to sort of shorten that story. I, I just replaced one crutch with another one, mm-hmm. and uh, it, which was a whole nother ball of concern. But mm-hmm. uh, Well, and idea. I think the, yeah. the um, thanks for sharing that. Um, mm. There's a professional, was a professional basketball player, Chris Heron. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know that name, but he got really messed up with... Um, with drugs and lucky mm. to be alive, those type of things. Mm. Um, he came and spoke at our children's school several years oh, ago. And it reminded wow. me when you mentioned that because he, about the fogging the mirror. Yes. Because he said that he would shave in the shower. Mm-hmm. And as he was getting better and recovering or whatever he called it, like he started to shave out in front of the mirror. Yeah. And his wife noticed that and pointed that out to him. And he said the same thing. He goes, I, I didn't want to look at myself before. Yeah. I just shaved in the shower so I didn't have to look at myself. But he was feeling better about himself. And so he could come out and look at himself. So so amazing. Yeah, it you is know, amazing. Those subtle little shifts, but they, they, from a foundation shift, you know, it's so impactful. Like just that subtle little change, you know, that, that ability to now see the good in yourself versus all the, the negative. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, a powerful place to, to arrive, but it, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get there by invention. We do get there by discovery, sort of riff off what you shared earlier, you know, but right. before we got onto this conversation, you know, today was talking about just the act of discovery in our own lives. Like, are we leading a life that we're constantly discovering yeah. things about ourselves, things about the world, things about our friends or family, just, just the way things are. Well, and it's, and it's, when you say that it's like this life of movement and again, mm. uh, growth and choice. And I think that that's a lovely place to be in. Like what can just discover from year to year. And I also mm. want to just point out, like, even when you said before, like at age 14, this is the be habits, but it wasn't about the food and the video games and things like that. I'm just, this is no. my perception. It was like, sure. you were, you were retreating into a yeah. place that gave you comfort because of what was going on yeah. outside around you. And many mm-hmm. people that's when they develop unhealthy habits or addictions or whatever. That's what I hear so often on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, when I was in college, like I chose something that brought me comfort, even yeah. though it was not, good but it's because of what was going on around me so right would, would you qualify it as like because i'm not trying to put words in your mouth here but you know when i think about that idea of comfort it's actually like when i'm think about those periods in time where i was abusing certain habits you know i was i was i was abusing the types of foods and i, I was i was definitely coping with certain mechanisms and, and trying to quell my stress, my anxiety, my, my shame, if mm-hmm. you will, some of the guilt I felt around myself. And I, I found momentary happiness in the moment while I was consuming or, or doing whatever those actions were. Like it, for me, it was when I really think back on it, I was, I was happy playing video games. I was happy eating some of those snack foods. Like I was in the moment and I got that little bit of a, a jolt, that little bit of a, Ooh, things are okay. You know, that's kind of a euphoric feeling we feel when we're, we're feeling happy. It's just like, you know, things are really good right now, but the problem was it just always went away. And when it went away, it came, went away in a big way where everything else just sort of caved in, you know? And, uh, but it, it often just boiled down to value and me doing what I felt in the moment would make me happiest. 
Mm-hmm. Not thinking about the long-term ramifications of my decisions or my actions, you know, not mm-hmm. thinking about how does this actually affect my life and, and my happiness in my own life or, or my, my quality of life. And it wasn't until I started asking those bigger questions, thinking about the, the longer-term ramifications, that I was able to start prioritizing what I valued, right. you know, and, and that's sort of where that freedom model comes into play, that, that idea of the, the positive drive principle, which is, you know, we often, if we think about the actions we take, and there's always thought before action, always. Like I don't, you know, we try to think that subconscious, but there's still a thought that there's an impulse before we actually do an action at any given time. Some of our actions happen very quickly. It's like a blink of an eye. We're already doing the thing that maybe we said we didn't want to do anymore. And, and we're not really creating space to, to actually analyze the action and think about how it affects our happiness. Because often happiness does dictate our actions. We are often pursuing happiness. You know, mm. it's just sometimes we, we learn to achieve that happiness with things that don't actually provide us long-term happiness. Mm. And I think that was the thing. Once I really started to grasp that internally and, and understand some of the choices I was making, I was never forced to pick up the, the beer or the wine and uncork the bottle. I was, I was never put into a position where I felt I was being forced to make that choice. I was making the choice. I was fully aware of my choices and I kept doing them. And it wasn't until I started to acknowledge that and, and take ownership of that and recognize and I just kept valuing alcohol over everything else in my life in that moment. Things started to come into focus differently. You know, I started to really appreciate some of my decisions and, and now, you know, as you start to learn new patterns, because that's the thing about it, learning habits and behaviors, right? Like some of them are so deeply ingrained. It takes a long time to replace or override them. Mm-hmm. And I realized that about myself, you know, that there's, there's been certain habits that became very dominant and they definitely limited my happiness. And so, you know, you either accept that and I accepted it. I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, what can I replace it with? What can be the new habit? Do I need help in creating the new habit or solidifying or do I need some accountability to help me through that, that process of learning something new, learning to deal with some of my stresses, my emotions, my anxiety in a healthier way that allows me to sustain the happiness and quality of life as well as those around me. And, and so that was where I needed support. So I love the fact that even when you're talking about your, you and your husband, you know, getting some counseling, my, my wife and I do that too. And I'll tell you, 10 years, almost 11 years ago now, it's a big part of what my TEDx talk was about, was I share a bit of that story, you know, that moment where I made a decision to choose long-term happiness and health over what I was using to cope with the stress and the anxiety in the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a tirade here, but what, what I'm trying to get to is that when you get to that point, you start to realize that we're not alone in this struggle. And there are people out there that can support us with making some of those shifts. Mm-hmm. And I found those. I found a great psychologist. I worked with him for three months. I found a relationships counselor. I worked with her for about four months. You know, I did a lot of work because I, I, I needed help, right? Like right. that's, I, I'm just telling you, that's exactly what happened. And then I found a great community of people that could support me of the person I wanted to be and become. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you talk about, and I know we're, we're uh, button up against the clock here and yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. both, so, but there are, you know, people can find more about you um, on social and what sure. I'll share in the show yeah. notes and things yeah. like that. But you talk about this freedom model triad. I mean, you, and yeah. I just like, it's freedom, right? We have a freedom yeah. of choice. So we can choose yeah. for so long you chose this, but there's that freedom 
for people to know anybody that's listening, like we all have freedom and yeah. of choice. And so what are you going to choose? And are you going to choose the same things that don't bring you health and happiness? Or are you going to choose the things and they, and it's there. I think many people yeah. stay stuck. I know I've been there. Like you stay stuck mm. going, Oh, this really sucks. It's like, well, then just make a different choice. Yes. Yes. But it seems do, so uh, difficult, right? Well, God, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I, I, it was put into great perspective. I read a book a couple of years ago, uh, Man, Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl. And uh, it is one of the most, it, it's a difficult read the first half because he talks about his experience during World War II and the various concentration camps he found himself and his friends and family. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, everybody that he loved, he lost. But you know, and that for most people, they would never come back from that. But he went in there and to, to, to the camps as a psychologist. So his observations of what was happening was documented in a way that a psychologist would typically document it. And from that, in the whole second half, he talks about a, a, something called logotherapy, which is, and he's considered the grandpa of logotherapy, but it's this idea of really defining the meaning that we want in our lives. You know, the purpose, the why, you know, why am I here? Why am I alive? Like what drives us to do the things that we do? And he talks about this, this clarity of seeking that clarity as well as some of the actions we can do to start to reinforce that. But once we get clarity on that, it's amazing how powerful that force can be in our lives. And it, and it literally, you know, he quotes Nishi quite often in it. And that uh, was the one, you know, with a, a strong enough why we can endure any how. And it, it, it really sunk in with me. You know, uh, when I was reading that, so like, if anybody's interested in this stuff, yeah, I've got articles I've written on this and it's all under the, the term addiction free life, but you know, read Victor Frankl's book, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough read in the first half it's just because it, it is very graphic. It recounts a lot of the experiences he had at concentration, but the, it, it, I mean, you can't not read the book and not come out of it with a different perspective. And sometimes that's all we need to get started. You right. just need to shift in perspective. And uh, so that's something I always like to invite people to do, you know, is I always like to let them know what book is creating most impact. And I think based on what we're talking about today, that's definitely one of them. Right. Yeah, that's that's good, because I um, the last interview, I came up with a uh, a couple books, too, that I'm going to take out. From oh, OK, that, cool. <laughs> I, love, I always ask I try to ask my uh, guests about their favorite books because I love again, I love to learn, too. And um, sure. it's just good to to um to share that with our audience too and Absolutely. again i know that that we've again got a hard stop in a couple of minutes here so a couple last words from you and how yeah. people can find you because i know <laughs> many are going to want to uh follow you and continue on with seeing what you do because you do some awesome work well thank you moira uh, well listen i'm pretty easy to find on social diamond well d-a-i and then Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. Uh, you search me on any social platform, you'll find out that I actually just have my name as my social handle on every platform. It's the nice thing about having a unique name. I'm mm -hmm. sure you run into that too, Moira. Like right. it, it, you have a unique name as well. So right. uh, it's nice from an SEO standpoint. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, but I am most active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you message me on any of those three platforms, you will be talking to me directly. So I always say, just give me a couple of days grace because uh, life happens. And uh, But I always do get back to people. But I love having conversations about this stuff. So just reach out, say you heard me on Moira's show, and uh, we'll talk about the conversation from there. But I was going to say, as far as parting words, I, I, I did a Vipassana a few years back, and it is a 10-day silent retreat. 
where you basically are meditating from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed every day you know, and basically sitting on a pillow breathing. And uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I, I did learn a lot because they, they follow the passion is a Buddhist tradition. It's a Buddhist way of, of meditating. And, uh, but this was a non-secular retreat. So it wasn't founded in any religion, but they did talk a bit about some of Buddhist teachings because it's what they believe that Siddhartha used this technique to find enlightenment, you know, and to be the enlightened one, the Buddha. And, uh, what I found so fascinating was when you start to dive into some of those philosophies, you know, that expression that we often hear this too shall pass comes up a lot, especially this last year we've had this too shall pass. COVID will pass. We'll get through this. Well, what was super interesting and what was pointed out to me at that, that uh, retreat, that experience was that he was actually referring to all the good things that happened in our lives. That every good thing, that birthday celebration, that firstborn, you know, that next born, the next born after that, or in your situation where the next one after that too, like, like there's those moments in our lives that are always worth celebrating that, that are just magical moments. They will pass. Mm. So appreciate them for what they are when they happen. That, that idea of coming back to the present moment, you know, to riff on Eckhart Tolle, you know, the power of now. It, it, it is bringing our focus back into what's happening right now in our lives and realize that we do have a lot of choice and what that looks like and, and how we engage or interact or react, right, to that mm-hmm. situation. So, hey, just remember, yeah, the challenges, they're going to pass. But, man, all the great things, they pass too. So don't lose sight of that. And uh, other than that, that's all I got for you today. I mean, yeah, it's, that's uh, good. it's been wonderful conversation though. I am absolutely honored to be here and I love what you're doing, Laura. And if there's an opportunity to, to, to continue a conversation again, please know I'm, I'm all for it. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to supporting you and the work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's an honor and anything I can do, we've talked about continuing the conversation yeah. and on your platforms, my platform. So let's stay in touch Absolutely. again. Thanks for sharing everything today. Really good nuggets. I appreciate that. And um, I'll let you go now. Uh, but again, thanks for listeners for coming back to listen. We always, um, I always appreciate you sharing these podcasts with others. So much, such good stuff. It's been a great day today and I appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.